Hi, I'm Sabrina, and you are listening to Let's Talk About It. So today we are going to talk about the music industry and the way that the pandemic forced it to change. So one company that was birthed out of the pandemic is called Moment House, and we are going to have the co-founder Arjun on today. And they have had everyone on their platform, Justin Bieber, Katrinata, Halsey, basically creating special ticketed virtual events. So they're going to talk about, you know, how the pandemic changed the music industry, where it's headed and what it was like putting together this company during the pandemic. They're young, inspiring, and I'm very excited to have them on today. Hi, Arjun. Hey. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I actually used Moment House last night when I watched my brother, the Two Friends concert, and it was awesome. It was honestly such a seamless, smooth experience. I watched it on my phone while I was at dinner, but it was like beautiful, seamless, awesome. Um, so great work there. Thanks. Yeah, the, the timing was unreal. Very like, serendipitous <laughs> timing. Big week for the Halfers and Moment House. Um, I just want to start from the beginning of your entrepreneurial experience. I stalked your LinkedIn, and it kind of seems like you know, from the beginning, you have been surrounded with entrepreneurship and, you know, going for it again and again. Um, could you tell me a little bit about just kind of what got you into it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a lot of shots on goal. Not not all of them have been uh, what, what I wanted them to be, but, mm -hmm. you know, you got to just keep trying, right? Um, yeah. I mean, just growing up in the Bay Area, obviously, like, that's the environment <laughs> to be in if, if you want to, uh, you know, just like naturally just as a product of your environment, go into the entrepreneurship um, sort of arena. Yeah. And uh, my dad worked in tech. So I hear about it all at home, like driving to school. You drive past like Tesla, you drive past Google, you drive past Apple. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's like, you know, and then especially when, you know, when your parents are in it, it's sort of um, all, all you kind of are exposed to. Um, and uh yeah, I mean, I just I'm just obsessed with like the uh, the creativity of it, like how you can go from like idea to this massive living, breathing organization. Definitely. Yeah, in like so, a couple years. So one of the first things that, even though you are very young at this point, um, you kind of had a a role and a hand in, and I'm sure definitely thought about it a lot and worked on it, was PlaceBan, and. Um, it's kind of a virtual goods company, right? That was sold to Visa. Yeah, yeah. It started off as this like I was I was just playing a lot of video games in middle yeah. school, um, and I would sell like the in-game items and currencies at school for like U.S. dollars, and be like RuneScape gold or like a World of Warcraft item or whatever. Um, and it was like, wow, like why can't I make more money doing this? How do I scale this? I'd heard about eBay at the time. You know, mm. I was like, what can I can I put this on eBay? Like, how, does that is that how it works? Um, and, uh, you know, my dad is like this typical kind of like immigrant entrepreneurial <laughs> energy. And he was like, oh, it doesn't know anything about gaming. But like when he, you know, heard that, he's like, wow, like this, there's something here. Like if you're making money, there's like clearly like value being attributed to these digital like pixels, uh, which at the time was like very A crazy, idea. very crazy and very weird. Um, so all credit to him. He put in the blood, sweat, and tears. Like I was in middle school. Like there's, there's not much I could do operationally other than like, oh, like this is cool. Like how do I do, <laughs> how yeah. do I do this on a bigger level? Um, so he put in the blood, sweat, and tears. Built built a company around it called PlaySpan. Um, it started off as a virtual goods marketplace where gamers could go and like list like, hey, here's like 20 gold for like, you know, five dollars or whatever. Kind of like the, I feel like the, the original yeah, the crypto. Cr <laughs> the crazy thing is that this like reminds me exactly of like the precursor to NFTs. And I yeah. I talked to Alex of OpenSea and he said like the whole thing that got him into the NFT space was when he realized people were spending money on virtual goods and crypto kitties. Very interesting. Definitely ahead of the times there, I will say. When I was looking at that, it stood out to me. And then you worked on Stoodle, which was your first startup, and it was tutoring a, a nonprofit. 
Yeah, yeah. I was just like, all right, well, this is exciting. Like, I saw how this silly idea, like, over five years became this thing that sold to Visa and had, like, a front row seat to it. And I was like, holy, like, I, I, I can't imagine doing anything other than this. Um, and then I was like, all right, what? I, I got to start something new. So I was like, I was just looking for another thing to start. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, what could I use? And I'm like, okay, there's so many times I find myself in the position of like, there's a test the next day. There's something I don't understand. I, you know, always just go to your friends and be like, hey, how do you do this? And so I was just thinking, hey, if I could just send a link, someone could pop into a space and we could like write stuff and like talk and just hang out in this collaborative like environment. Um, that'd be cool. And Very cool. So you're always kind of like into the idea of this like virtual community, virtual world. Yeah, it's a weird, yeah. it's a weird like uh, dot connecting backward totally. kind of thing. I did not And then you, you didn't think, but in the, when you tell your story backwards, it sounds very intentional and perfect. Yeah, it seems like there's a theme that's weird. <laughs> um, and then next you did track fire while you were at USC. And um, so this, this kind of seems like the most um, relevant to Moment House in your work today. It was basically you were trying to innovate the record label space. I'd love to hear more about it from you. But I'm curious how like that experience, the failure, successes of it, what that kind of taught you about like starting a startup in the music industry and like what that how that prepared you for your work today. Yeah. Um, so I, when I was applying to school, uh, senior year of high school, there were, there were all these articles how Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre, the Beats guys, and obviously more than Beats. But, yeah. Um, they, you know, obviously that sold Beats to Apple at the time and they're donating 70 million to USC to start this brand new academy for innovation. Um, and I was super hyped on that applied I got lucky and I got into like the first inaugural class of wow. I think it's like 27 28 students um, and uh, so I got in I was like alright well I gotta start something you know as usual <laughs> got and the whole school is all about entrepreneurship it's all about um, you know Jimmy's philosophy of like hey let's teach kids to um, sort of speak all the languages of business design engineering and then like so that's the first three years of the curriculum and then senior year is all about like starting something like you actually wow. take no classes and you just take your knowledge and and you start something it's all about how do you marry technology with culture similar to what they did with beats um and, and not get salad into like oh i'm an engineer or i'm a designer or i'm a business guy it's like kind of being able to navigate you know that's, everything that sounds amazing yeah so that that had a big role to play and i was like all right i gotta start something i'm obsessed with music i'm as obsessed with music as i am with technology and like starting things so okay like can i figure something out at music tech at the intersection of the two and i just got into school that <laughs> jimmy i mean dr dre started so like that makes even more sense <laughs> to, to go down this path and um you know this this dream i always had of like owning my own record label like in a weird way i wanted to be jimmy Iovine yeah. and like have my own label and like sign my own artists and find the next like m&ms and kendrick's and all that um and i was like all right but i gotta like put that tech twist on it and like make it scalable and like venture backable and um you know i was like okay why combinator why is there no white combinator for the music industry how cool would that be right if you could make like that would be so cool so cool like small small bets across like dozens and dozens and dozens of like artists that have some sort of qualification um, instead of like signing like 30 and being like, all right, these are 30 artists. Like imagine just being able to scale to like, I, I think like YC's batch sizes are now like 100, 200. It's like every quarter, there's like another 200. Um, how cool would that be? And so I was like, all right, what's step one of like, you know, basically using tech to automate a lot of the record label uh, functions. And and I was thinking, well, it starts with talent. So maybe, um, you know, what if step one of this was taking this incredible like, mechanism that reddit has proven and if you're familiar with product hunt they've done which is this idea of like upvotes like upvote based mm -hmm. leaderboards and you know i was spending a lot of time on soundcloud um just like surfing soundcloud every day like spending literally was spending like two hours a week or two hours a day sorry on, on soundcloud just like 
because I, I was just obsessed finding with kind emerging of, artists. Yeah, like finding arts before anybody else did, and like kind of you know being being the first to know. Like I was the first, you know, like early, like right when Black dropped like his first songs, mm. on, like you know six L A C K on on SoundCloud, or when Khalid dropped Location. Like that was the time, you know. And and I was like, okay, there's so many people like me that I know of that are just ears to the streets, like on SoundCloud. Like what if you could bring them all in one community? Um, and leverage this upvote mechanism and and sort of crowdsource curate uh, mm -hmm. crowd curate the um, you know the entire emerging landscape and and uh, sort of create this community of curators and every day like the best artists would surface to the top because people would surf SoundCloud on the internet find them put them on track fire people would upvote it the people that posted would get like, recognized in the community with leaderboards and all kinds of like psychological things um, and then you know we'd surface the best to the top automatically and then like sign them and and all that but I, I was focused on that step one of just building like Reddit for music emerging music basically that's uh, such a great idea it's just like also like the idea of talking to your users you'd be talking like directly and getting data directly from the people that like you know love music listen to it the most and like would be the people you'd you'd want to you know sign someone for um and then and then what happened with that how was that experience what did it teach you yeah um i learned a lot I, well first of all i mean i i uh, i was really lucky uh this guy troy carter who um you know used to manage lady gaga and like architected her career and all kinds of other artists like John Legend, Priyanka Chopra, et cetera. Like he, Damn. he had started the startup accelerator. I, it's so weird looking backwards because like I, I feel like I was born the right year um, in '96 mm -hmm. because I just ended up in like the first batch of a lot of things, like the Jimmy and Dre school, and then Troy. When I was like uh, entering sophomore year of USC, he had started a startup accelerator, um, mm -hmm. and it was like all focused on music and tech. So it was like, oh, this couldn't have been a better fit. Um, and how did you find that? Was that a part of USC or? Um, no, no, he was just he's in Culver City, and and like I. I I had known about Troy. I actually went specifically to this conference in San Francisco so I could like walk up to him and talk to him hunt about Trackfire. Wow. Yeah, hunt, hunted him down. <laughs> <laughs> Gave him a little demo on my phone. And I think he remembered that and encouraged me to apply. And that's why I found out about it. And then he announced it like a couple of weeks later mm -hmm. and applied, got into that. It was like six startups. So he gave me like office space and first 50K in funding. Um, so major shout out to him uh, for helping me a lot. But, um, you know, ultimately just tried to, Jimmy, Jimmy heard about what we were doing, tried to like kind of bring us an Apple Music and that kicked off this whole process I was, I was really excited about. Um, ultimately ended up being like job offers, uh, long story short, <laughs> not, not the thing that we, we, we had hoped. Uh, mm -hmm. But I mean, we were just two college kids. So like, yeah. you know, there's not, not much that could be done. Um, but, but, you know, community, digital community is so fragile that when you start like focusing on other things, like how would this integrate with Apple Music and what does that system look like and how do we convince a group of people to understand what that looks like and, you know, things like totally. that. It's hard um, to... The community kind of falls apart. You kind of have to like vary. So I learned a lot about like, um, just online community really and like how you can leverage psychology like leaderboards points and you, you can literally mm. architect a whole system of incentives and like making people feel recognized like oh you've got the golden ear of the week or whatever you know like people want it people yeah, want to be it's noticed really not makers. just for the artists it's for the listeners and I feel like now Spotify's like recent campaign of like you are the, in the top five percent of yeah. this person's fans or like what you've listened to this year, I feel like they've really now capitalized on that yeah. idea in the past year about like people want to feel like, you know, they're a, a part of their artists and, and, um, yeah, they have like, it's all like leaderboards now, like the way they're kind of in inspiring us to like, you know, yeah. see that. Everyone wants to be known or seen as like a tastemaker. Totally. Right? Like exactly. you want to be first to it or in the top. And so, yeah, it, it's just, it's just built into our brain psychologically and like you could leverage that to 
incentivize behavior like sharing your Spotify thing yeah, on your Instagram exactly, or like yeah. getting people to post on a Reddit like system. And I think it's probably inherent to humans. Like the, the idea of like when you hear a really good song, like the next thing you think is like, oh, I want to show this to my friends. It's like yeah. you want that recognition of taste. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So I kind of want to fast track to the the situation in which you started Moment House and what you're doing today and what's grown so much. The pandemic's happening. I see a space for this. And I want to I want to hear about that story. But like at this point in your life, were you like, okay, I've already started two companies or like, did you see them as failures or did you feel like, wow, I'm just getting started. You're still so young and this is totally what you want to do. How are you viewing like the idea of starting a new company at that point? Um, I just knew I had to do it. Like yeah. there's no other way. I have to do this. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else. And after I graduated, um, I had this other idea. It was totally, it was like a fintech idea. Mm. It was like, you should have, I was like, all right, subscription economy is coming a thing. What if there was like one card that you could use for all, at all your recurring transactions and then like have on-off switches for every, like on-off switch for Wall Street Journal, on-off switch mm. for like Masterclass. Like how cool would that be? And like you could build like the Amazon subscriptions, but that didn't end up working out. <laughs> and, and I realized like, I'm not even passionate about this. So yeah. I was like, I was like five iterations in and like, it was so demoralizing. My co-founder left me and it's just like, okay. Like I, I had to like completely reset. Like I moved back home to the Bay. I was like, yeah. I need to be in LA and pay rent. Like I need to like really figure myself yeah. out. Um, and then like every day I'd just be like, all right, like, you know, forget this. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to what I'm passionate about. And I was just like, every day showing up to my dad's office just for like a desk and like um, just like cranking out like two page idea memos. Um, it's like, I got it. Got to find yeah. the next idea, the next and idea. Then, and then how did Moment House come um, about? And then finally, and I wish I had a cooler story. I wish I was like an artist and I was trying no, to solve my I own need. No, I want to hear it. It's cool. <laughs> but, but it was just, it was more just like this, you know, like, oh, wow, like virtual events. Like I was obsessed with education. I was like, I want to, I want to solve education problems in the world, like democratize it more. I was like thinking about like a virtual school. Okay. Virtual school needs a virtual classroom, a virtual gathering place, but virtual events in general. Like, wait, if I want to start, if, if I'm an artist or creator, or anyone for that matter, and I want to, you know, go live on the internet, the high quality experience, an event, you know, or premiering a, you know, pre-recorded thing or even true live. And I wanted to charge tickets to it, like charge for access to it. How would I do it? Yeah. Um, and there was no obvious answer to that question. It felt kind of arbitrary that you could have like the Conor McGregor's and the Floyd Mayweather's of the world host these like massive global ticketed digital moments and like people all around the world gather for these things that are so exciting. Like people host like dinner parties and they, they have people over, um, you know, it's this exciting um, moment in time. And then the creators, like, I mean, I guess uh, like the participants, like the Connors, the Floyds, they walk away with all this money. So it's just yeah. such a great win-win on both sides. It's like, what if, why can't anyone with an audience do that? If I'm totally. Sean Mendez or I'm Joe Rogan or I'm Sabrina with the podcast <laughs> and I want to do like a true life special of this podcast, yeah. Or if I'm Sean Mendes, I'm gonna do a true life like performance special. How would I do it? And and so and the status quo at that point for them, there's really no way to do it ticketed. It was more like you would do an Instagram live that might yeah. get like millions of people on it and perform for free, just like as a way to engage with your fans. But in music, like there really wasn't this idea of like pay per view, even though it's still exactly. accepted yeah. elsewhere. So you had this idea, and then how did you link with your co-founders? And like, what were your first steps in getting this into like um, from an idea to sort of a, a real business. Yeah. Um, well, I knew that for it to work, like it had to be, um, it, it had, it had to ha be like design first, basically, because, mm. um, you know, to get people to pay for something they're not used to paying for and to get artists to charge for something they're, they're not used to charging for and not coming across as like greedy or whatnot. Like it had to be designed very elegantly and, and beautifully. So, um, I'm big on like branding and just design and, you know, working backwards from the feeling. And, and I thought that like, uh, moment house and, and calling these these moments uh, calling these events moments 
were important because moments gives the feeling of like, oh, this is like this premium thing I've got to be a part mm. of, right? It's like the perfect word. I was like, there's no other word for this than moment. And no one wants to miss it. Yeah, exactly. It seems like it's like ephemeral and like FOMO and you got to be there to be there. And um, so I, I was really centered on that word and then came up with Moment House. Um, and then, you know, I, I was already in Europe and I had some friends in Amsterdam. I know Amsterdam's a big design hub. So I flew there like, was like introduce me to some designers, please. Yeah. I need designers. Uh, this guy, Damien at WeTransfer. And then he connected me uh, with the two designers. I got one uh, named Heel. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of, he kind of took my, co I, well, I got so obsessed with the idea. I kind of just like locked myself in my room, coded the, the first version of it. Uh, and then like, I gave it to heel. I was like, please make this look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's got to look like this and this and this and kind of went in the lab with them. You know, and I was keeping Nigel. That's awesome though, that you did have enough of like some type of CS background to be able to like show them what you wanted. Yeah, I did a, uh, I did a coding boot camp actually after graduating some three months in San Francisco, just like locked in and learned how to code. I was always frustrated that I always had like a reliance on a technical founder. Totally. And um, I'm sure now you have like a CTO and like, yeah. um, also probably, you know, an engineering team, but I think having some understanding of that is always like a, oh, a so really helpful. valuable yeah, thing. So, so helpful. Yeah. I'd be like totally flying blind if I, <laughs> if I didn't have that and that aspect of the business. So you go to Amsterdam, you kind of work with this designer and get this sort of beautiful version of it and then and then and then what yeah and then you know nigel somebody i was i was just one of my closest friends from school was always keeping posted on on hey here's what's going on he's passionate about music we'd always be riffing on it um and and so we realized hey we should work be working on this together and then uh you know i had to make sure okay before i go out and like put a round together first of all it's got to like the product's got to work and look beautiful they, they yeah. need to see the vision of like we're gonna we're gonna bring this elevated premium feeling to digital events and digital experiences totally. um so that vision needed to be presented really well so we went through a bunch of design cycles to get there um, but of course there also needed to be like a case study of like wait does this actually work like are artists and creators really able to sell tickets to these things are, are consumers willing to pay for these um and so uh it was super crazy because covid happened <laughs> okay so your yeah. idea actually happened before, <laughs> before COVID. covid yeah so that's I, I, so interesting because yeah. <laughs> i had for even though i saw that it was founded in 2019 i i assumed it was a result of the pandemic but honestly that couldn't have been better timing it was insane. that you had a few yeah. months at least to work on had it a few months of head start hit. yeah wow. yeah I wish I had a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I came up with it in November 2019 totally. and then like coded it from like November through like January. I actually flew down to L.A. again, showed yeah. Jimmy it, um, you know, and then like March was when like the Tom Hanks and NBA thing, yeah. you know, NBA shut down. Tom Hanks got COVID and it was like, oh, my God, it's an America thing now. Um, and then I was like, OK, like if there's ever a time to like go hard on this, it's now. And, and so I, I reached out to all the talent agencies. I was like, hey, like UTA, WME, you know, CAA, because uh -huh. um, I didn't know that many managers. All I knew, you know, I only knew Troy Carter. Um, and I was like, hey, like you guys aren't doing anything. You guys can't book anything. Everything shut down. Like use this platform. Think of us as a digital venue, like book us, you know. And something, I want, what was your first concert? Um, Aurora. Yeah. Aurora. So so UTA finally was like, hey, we have an artist for you. And it was Aurora. She's this Norwegian singer. She's on like the she does the the title song on Frozen 2. Um, and and so she she uh, she was sent our way. She had this like vision of like this performative thing. She'd curate a few artists. She'd go last. And it was like this really nicely creative. Um, That's awesome. Creative experience. And she posted like six Instagram stories about it and like a tweet. And then uh, we just see the numbers go up to like 20, 25 grand. And it was just like, wow, like this that, is insane. That was kind of that moment that you realized like this is a real This thing. is working, yeah. yeah. All, all this theoretical like vision actually has some legs. And something I want to ask you is I feel like as there's more and more startups in this like creator artist space, creator economy, 
Um, I think something, at least some of my friends who have been looking to start companies, something they've struggled with is like getting getting in contact with the talent, but more than that, getting someone to like take the first risk because, you know, yeah. most of these artists have a reputation to uphold and like the idea of potentially letting down thousands and thousands yeah. of fan is, fans is really scary. So I guess, how did you guys, you know, think about that? Obviously, probably your backing helped, like who was backing you, but, you know, Getting someone to it, like trust you on your first project. Yeah. Do you have any like? What's your advice? Yeah. Um, no, it's definitely like that. That's the hardest part is getting like that your first. first yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so hard, and it it just requires like uh, honestly like finesse <laughs> and grit, and and just if you believe in enough, you're just gonna keep trying, 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 and and um, you know I I so we had uh, actually to continue off. Uh, it's a good segue. Like I had. This, you know, this the vision was captured with beautiful design and momentouts.com. You could go there and understand, oh wow, this is like a premium elevated version of a live, right? Uh, which you can charge tickets for great. And then I had this case study in hand of like, hey, Aurora did this, made 20 grand. Um, and with COVID, you know, that was like a huge accelerant because you had all these people like that were open-minded and totally. Valuable. And I guess like the key problem is that most artists, especially in this like streaming day where, you know, most of their listeners are on Spotify and Apple Music. Like they're depending on touring as like their main source of yeah. revenue. So that's yeah. why COVID was such a, a problem. So you know, getting getting that check is is really it means a lot during that time. Definitely, yeah. And we just like, you know, uh, just you know, called everybody, <laughs> like like yeah. just hit up everybody we could possibly get to, and like ask for intros left and right, and like. Finally, um, you know, there's this artist, um, actually Youngblood. I don't know if you know of him. He's this, of course. Um, yeah, and it's like this, um, I guess he's like punk, emo, rock type artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's super creative. And you just have to find, like, to answer your question, like, you know, that first one, like, there are those people out there that are forward thinking and, and actually do want to innovate. They're just very yeah. rare. But when you do find them, like, latch onto them. Uh, and, like, Youngblood was that artist. He was like, I have this vision. Like, lockdown sucks. Like, I want to do something special for my fans. Yeah. I want to do something that no one's done for their fans ever before. I'm going to create this digital show experience. It's going to be incredible. And so we luckily crossed paths with this guy after just talking to all the agencies and managers got introduced to him through through um through paradigm talent agency i guess now they got bought by wasserman but anyways and and so he was the first artist that committed and we were like okay amazing like here's like a you know tier two tier three act has this creative vision now we had the young blood name we could take that name and be like you know go back to it it's like hey we have young blood committed we have aurora done you know and then so we got like black bear and we got uh eventually halsey and katranada or katranada came before halsey and then and then just quickly we've had like two three names and you take those three names and get the fourth name and then it's it becomes, so true and it becomes even easier at and easier. starting <laughs> this podcast like the first guess is the hardest and then you can yeah. use each guest to leverage the next and um definitely it's then everyone floods in you need the early adopters and it's, yeah. it's hard when you're talking with like people with you know big fan bases it is so that that's that's really valuable and interesting to think about. And then in terms of let's circle back on fundraising. So a couple of months ago, you guys fundraised a Series A that was like over twelve million dollars. So congrats! Thanks. And um, once again, had an amazing roster: UTA, Scooter Braun. Um, I'm actually curious. I feel like in today's startup world, there is a lot of money out there to get. And I'm curious, like, how did you decide who to take money from? Obviously, industry insiders helps a lot. Yeah. Um, do you expect your investors to help beyond just like giving you money? 
Yeah. I mean, like, so, how do you decide for other entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. How do you decide who to take money from? Yeah, our, our approach is definitely like, you know, there's so much money out there. Like, let's make sure we get um, money from people that can add value beyond just the capital. Mm-hmm. And and this is an industry that is very trust and relationships based. And like, um, you know, we, we knew there's like a, a few key powerful people in the music industry that are very influential. Let's make sure to lock them all down because especially when uh, right when COVID started, like there was a flood of competition that entered the market because suddenly what we were building became like the most obvious thing ever. It's like, oh, yeah, duh, ticketed live stream, ticketed digital events. Obviously, you know, uh, we were just a little frustrated because we, yeah. we'd actually put in real <laughs> thought. You know, we thought we had something original and now it was just people were looking, like at us. looking at the future and the pandemic yeah. sped up that future a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was a double. <laughs> Edged sword because like on one side it was easier to talk to people in the industry because they were kind of open-minded and on the other side now there's like 30 platforms that are competing totally. with us and just so much more noise in the space so it was like a rush to where it's like okay let's lock down the biggest names on the business side and so we become the most um credible most legitimate um you know platform in the space so just systematically went after like scooter and um you know uh went after you know like austin rosen who you know manages post malone mm-hmm. and um um, who else? Like Halsey and and um, I'm thinking of other. I'm like Steve Stout, you know, who's another big uh, music industry guy. Uh, we have. I'm just sometimes I can't remember people's names. Oh no, uh, you don't have to name everyone. But... Honestly, it's all it's all amazing people. Yeah. Kevin Mayer, like I saw. Oh, I guess that was the seed round. But yeah, um... yeah, Kevin Mayer, and and so we really wanted to make it like half tech and half entertainment because we're like, okay, yeah. we want all the mentorship of the tech people, and we want all the you know the relationships connections, and yeah. connections of the entertainment people, so we can like really fast track the business development side, get artists on the platform easier, get introductions. Totally, because I do feel like Silicon Valley is a little bit more open to like random people. Honestly, you know what I mean. Founders come from all everywhere and i think entertainment industry is still very as you said yeah. relationship based and it's much harder to like um enter it so i think that's you know amazing that you didn't just like get like venture for money um, yeah or you got entertainment venture for money and like individuals um and then what have been so far you've been working at this for two years i guess now yeah yeah i guess so what have been the greatest challenges so far that that have occurred for you um I mean, just one of them. I'm sure it's endless, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the <laughs> I, startup I life. I could pick from, from a bunch. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, I think, like, there's a challenge very specific to our business, mm-hmm. uh, which is when you have these paid digital experiences, you have all these consumers on one side that have, like, paid their hard-earned money on, yeah. on something. Like, it's not like Twitch or YouTube where you're just accessing it for free. If they something happens, they don't care that much. Um, but on our side, like, our server reliability, like, everything is just, like, of utmost importance. Because like you said earlier, you have the artist brand on the other side, and they're, like, trusting you with the Halsey brand. They're trusting yeah. you with the Justin Bieber brand. And you cannot let them down, you know? And I was going to ask you about that. Like, the technical capability and requirement of hosting thousands of people on a platform is really hard. I mean, like, yeah. you know, the platforms that do that have, like, huge teams dedicated to make sure that stays reliable. So I guess you've just had to build that team out a lot or it's just, like, kind of a, a constant thing that as the concerts get bigger and bigger, you have to level up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've we just had to, I mean, obviously leverage a lot of, like, Amazon Web Services on the back end. Um, but it's been this, like, really interesting. Because, you know, how typical startup ideology is like move fast and break things right yeah. or like I, I think that's like yeah. the Zuckerberg thing and and everyone's like oh you gotta move fast like a startup's only advantage is speed and agility and like finessing and, and moving faster than the big guys um on the other side like 
uh, our business, it's like reliability actually is is super, super, super important. And like having one disaster could actually like mess up the reputation of the entire industry. People may not end up working with you after yeah. um, you get, you know, uh, all these things trending on Twitter. <laughs> like so. So we had this one experience. Uh, the very, very uh, first big artist we had, we were, you know, um, not prepared for as much because we were mm. so fresh as a team. Yeah. Um, you know, we got DDoS attacked. Um, Who was it? It was Black Bear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this pop artist, Black Bear. And, uh, you know, it was really uh, just, I mean, funny now, tragic at the time, but okay. like he had, uh, you know. Uh, it, what he, happened? He, we, we basically, uh, we had a late start to the uh, moment. Um, uh-huh. It was delayed about like 60, 65 minutes from the starting point. You know, because we, we were getting DDoS attacked, Amazon what Web Services. What is DDoS? Um, d- uh, uh, distributed denial of service. So that okay. people were like hitting our servers, like bad, bad actors oh, uh, wow. were hitting our servers, like, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, oh, and uh, you know, they'll like, they'll take like the forgot password um, part of your site and like just hit that with like a bunch of requests and, you know, things like that to kind of like slow down your servers. Um, you know, Amazon Web Services, uh, like we use this thing called IVS Interactive Video Service, one of their products. They didn't, they had like a, a limit set as well that they didn't alert us about, you know, and so uh, it was just not a great time. <laughs> you know, it was a big delay. It was an hour of, of uh, you know, so black, it was, it was a pre-recorded cinema. Mm-hmm. It was more of a film being aired live than, than a live stream. And, um, you know, he had uh, set up this whole backyard viewing experience with like his girlfriend, his parents, his girlfriend's parents, yeah. all of his family, friends, <laughs> like Machine Gun Kelly was there. I was in oh, his gosh. backyard. There's like heaters and blankets. It was a vibe. And then like it wasn't working. And, and they were just like really torn about it. And I was getting calls from the agent. He was freaking out at me. You know, yeah. uh, it was trending on Twitter. Very um, stressful. It was it was like one hour of like the most stress of my life. So I guess um, going forward, it's like you're just you'd always want to avoid that. And yeah. More. Yeah. So like basically this like like um, this switch flipped and like internally as an org, like we're just hyper paranoid about everything. Like we realized like this is a very high stakes business. Like yeah. we cannot have any kind of failures like that. So um, reliability is number one. We almost have to like slow things down um, so to make sure that, yeah. that that is as 100% as possible. So yeah, that, that's been a challenge where it's Definitely. like, yeah, you want to kind of like move fast all the time and like we have to move fast. Um, but it's just and this it's industry like you wanna say You want to say yes to every every opportunity that comes your way, but you actually have to be like really thoughtful about it. Yeah. Are you guys able to see like where your demographics of viewers are? And I'm sure it switches for each artist and I bet it's probably mostly in America. Yeah, it's a lot of US, a lot of UK, a lot of Canada, um, but we see a a ton of international audiences as well, which is super exciting because a lot of people like, it's so interesting when you see a tour announcement go up and you look at the comments on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see like half the people are stoked. The other half are like, oh, you don't care about Texas. Oh, you don't care about Brazil. Like, oh, you're never going to come here. Like (laughs) F you, you know, like there are actually a lot of angry people. It's pretty incredible you know and so you know you have all these people that are like okay we have an outlet like if you look at Tanache, um the r&b singer yeah. like if you look at her her tour admat um the last date of her tour is like this worldwide cinematic experience so no one you know and that's on moment house and so no one no one can complain anymore because it's like <laughs> hey the last date will be this thing that's globally for, i want to ask you about your insights into like how the pandemic has changed the music industry obviously completely and in many ways and like what do you see as the short-term changes what do you see as the permanent changes yeah um i think that like what's what's um you know the the positive effect of the pandemic on the industry is that you have this industry that's very like rigid like there's so 
um, slow to innovate, you know, it's the music industry yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and the pandemic kind of made the whole business malleable, which is really interesting. Mm. Everyone is so much more open-minded because if a pandemic can happen in 2021 and like create the environment we're in today, which is so unbelievable, um, like ticketed live streams aren't that crazy of a concept anymore, yeah. you know, <laughs> which it's like, okay, yeah, I guess that's possible is sort of people's approach to it. And, um, you know, I've realized like all it takes is like five visible artists doing something and then the rest of the industry just adapts. Like it is so much FOMO. Um, there's, there's so much more like tech orientedness happening. Like you see that with NFTs, like it's just almost like overnight. It's so true. Yeah. Overnight. Like you saw Halsey in the, the weekend and everybody, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. All you need is a first few artists to innovate and then everyone kind of follows. That's such an exciting perspective. Like once things are completely disrupted, it actually makes like space. That's like, you know, when there's a fire, then things can grow. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's, it's sort of like that. Like that. Um, yeah. And okay, so obviously we are still in a pandemic in many ways. Rates are still very high. But I think at some point life is kind of, you know, continued as vaccinations are happening. Do you there's there's a lot of stats out there to prove. I mean, UTA did a study, which is, I'm sure, why they're, you know, believe in you guys so much and back to you, because they basically realized that, like, even after the pandemic, like 88 percent of the people that they had surveyed, they mm -hmm. still want to attend virtual gatherings that they had attended during COVID. So I guess are you guys nervous about um, losing artists or losing viewers, like once people can go back to in-person concerts or how are you guys thinking about that? Yeah. Um, so we started the company prior to the pandemic. So yeah. obviously there was like conviction. That's important. Yeah. yeah. There was conviction that, hey, the world is already moving in this direction. Like if you just look at the data, like every year, like the creator economy, which, you know, a lot of VCs talk about and like it, that's, and it's not just VC talk, but it's like, it's actually growing every year. Um, digital communities are growing every year. The world is globalizing more and more every year, right? Like you have, you walk into like an LA coffee shop and you'll hear like a, a Spanish song or like yeah. a, a Korean song and you go yeah, into- Yeah, I feel like Korean film and music is- Yeah, yeah, is like really you see that with Squid over. Games. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's the world and you go into like a coffee shop in Brazil and like they're playing Taylor Swift probably, you know? Like it's super cool to see the globalization. You see like Gen Z rising up, you know, across the, you know, the world. Like India like has like, I, I don't know the exact stat, but like the, the entire country company uh country is coming online because this um reliance geo program so like you wow. have literally like hundreds of millions of people coming online and, and you have like every niche possible out there has like a global community like young blood has this community of like emo kids that are like feel like <laughs> outsiders right and they're yeah. all around the world um so it's like all these communities need uh to gather like what we realized just like observing consumer behavior is especially on moment house is that core fans in these communities want two things. They want access and belonging. Mm -hmm. They want more access to the person that the community is built around, whether it's Halsey or Catronata or, you know, whatever it is. Um, or, or And they want belonging, which is so um, fundamental to the human experience. Like, they just want to feel like they're a part of something, you yeah. know? And and you see that, like, in Maslow's hierarchy, you know, pyramid, uh, the pyramid of needs, like, belonging after totally. your physiological So how safety. do you create that sense of community virtually? Like, how do you yeah. guys think about that and yeah. creating that? Well, I, I think that's the beauty of, like, ticketing on the internet, um, which is when when, uh, when when this, like, Catronata experience is 15 bucks, like it, it 15 that $15 price point filters out automatically 
all of the casual fans, all mm. of the bad actors and trolls and all those people, and automatically filters in the core passionate base. So if you go to any moment, you'll see the chats filled with just so much positivity mm. and passion. It's and not like a free YouTube live exactly. stream where people. That's Exa really it's, interesting. It's a totally different feeling, and that gating creates that. And everyone that made it past the gate is like, oh, I paid fifteen dollars. You paid. 15. Everyone in here has paid fifteen bucks for this. Like we all have something very deeply in common, you know. Yeah. And so um, we'll see in the chat, people are sharing their Instagram handles. They're making group chats. They're at the end of every moment. They'll be like, no, no, this can't end. Like let's keep Aww. this going. Someone make a Discord. Someone, hey, add me on Snapchat. Like at, at, during the Bryson Tiller moment, I was seeing people put their phone numbers in. Wow. It's it's just such a trusted, safe community, and they just want to like connect. They have this innate desire to connect and keep those connections going. Um, that's really interesting. And something I, I read about online is there have been definitely like when Travis Scott did a Fortnite concert, that was a huge deal, this kind of virtual concert. And I think there's also this like very tight knit online community in gaming that's been around a long time. Would you want to expand to other industries? Definitely. Um, so like we are, um, first of all, we're already expanding to other verticals. So uh, there's a lot of podcasts on the platform. We started mm. with music, felt like that was the best place to start because people are used to the behavior of buying a ticket for something. Yeah. Um, podcasts, we have podcasters grossing hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. off one live stream. Wow. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, they're just doing their podcast show, except now they are doing it true live. They've got like a TV in the studio playing the chat and they're making it interactive. So they're like every mm -hmm. couple of minutes, they'll interact with the chat, make it feel like you're actually a part of the show because um, if you're a core podcast fan all you want is to break that fourth wall and be a part of the experience you know it's and so true and like 10, be able to throw out a follow-up question and like exactly interact with and more. like shape the show and like have a seat yeah. at the table um so That's we've really already cool. expanded to podcasts um you know and, and and a lot of podcasts are comedy oriented um you know we've expanded to youtube creators so we've had ksi on the platform this massive youtuber cody co you know another really really big youtuber um, so we're already expanding to different verticals. Um, we're going downstream to mid-market in the long tail with the self-service. So any anyone in the world should be able to create a moment, set a ticket price, set a date time, add a merch bundle, get their link, share that out on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, go live, get paid, and all that happened end to end, automated, seamless, intuitive, easy. Oh wow! Um, and then maybe maybe I'll, I'll use it. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, um. we'll, we'll give you we'll give you the white glove uh, full service. You'll have a dedicated person. Um, when you guys are working with artists and. Um, helping them go through this process of creating these, for many of them, probably their first like big virtual experience. Um, how, like what type of ways do you make it like bigger or better than being there in person? Like what, how does that have like, you know, more to offer? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's different. Well, it, like, you know, being, being someplace. So first of all, we never meant for this format to compete with physical yeah. events. It was never meant to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to not go to the Tanache concert because <laughs> I already like watched the Tanache cinematic experience. Like no one, that that's it's not different. how we look at the world. It's like, you, you know, if you're a super fan and you're buying a ticket to a, uh, you know, Tanache digital experience, you're also going to go there. So like, it's not a replacement for the energy. It's just, it's just another additional additive offering. Um, and so like, you know, one, uh, you go to a show partly because of the energy, right? Um, and, and, and you go to sometimes shows where you're not even a core fan of the artist because it's just like, it's Friday night and you want something to do with yeah. your friends. Um, <laughs> this is more of like, you know, hey, here, like everyone probably has like three to five creators, artists, you know, whatever that they're just like diehard fans of, right? You might be fan of like a hundred 
artist creators, but there's like the five that you're like diehard. Like I freaking love Chance the yeah. Rapper. I love Tame Impala. I'll like what, any anything Tame Impala drops. Like I'm, I'm gonna be the, uh, listen to the album on day one of its drop. I'm gonna buy the merch, whatever it is. Um, and it's for like so it you know for those core fan bases, and everyone is a core fan of at least one. <laughs> you know, like it, it's really meant for them to enjoy that person's art in a new way. So it's like a new canvas. It's a new outlet for their creativity. They're they're basically creating a film. You know, yeah. imagine Tim Paul creating a film. It's not meant to be. It's just another artistic deliverable to enjoy and consume versus like, oh, I'm going to do this instead of go to the concert. That that really makes sense. Who are who are you a core fan of? I'm thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of mine. I was like, you're so right. I feel like my current one. I'm basic and I like Olivia Rod- Rodrigo. <laughs> and honestly, I'm an OG Taylor Swift. It's so true. Like I would want to be able to have that experience if I'm like at my house on a Friday night, I would totally pay for that in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and that that's the thing that sometimes people need to understand is like, you're not going to, you're not going to buy tickets to someone you're like, like, you know, just a fan of, you're going to, you're going to, you it's know. like the people that yeah. it brings you joy to listen exactly. to them, to watch them. Exactly. And you exactly. want like more content. And like, that's kind of the bridge between going to a concert once every two years and like just seeing their Instagram. So there's something exactly. in between that's still like a really interactive. Exactly. Yeah. For me, for me, it's Kendrick. And like, and it's crazy that you say that because if you really think about it, like how often have you seen Taylor Swift live at, at a show? Twice. Twice, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Like Taylor Swift is someone that you really love above everybody else <laughs> except for maybe Olivia Rodrigo. And you've only, and you're like 20, you know, you're 20 Two. something, 22. And you've only seen her live twice. Mm-hmm. Like there should definitely be like more touch points, yeah. right? Like it, it sucks true. that there's only two. And, and so this is another way. Oh, I had this kind of random question. We're going to wrap up soon. Streaming platforms are becoming bigger and bigger and they're becoming, you know, producers of their own media. Do you ever see a world, and I know this probably is not your business plan now, but do you ever see a world in which you guys would actually be a streaming platform that like people would pay for and get like access to unlimited concerts or that doesn't, that business plan doesn't really work? Yeah. Because it's um, an interesting idea. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many directions we can go. Um, I think right now we're just focused on like let's build as big of a content machine as possible like let's ingest on one side as many creators as possible from Bieber to the unknown artists from like the Rogans to the small unknown podcasters and like on the other side like output like hundreds if not thousands of compelling digital experiences month after month year to year so like the goal right now is just building up that machine yeah um, and like the hiring and the internal processes and operations that like enable all to happen so it's like okay let's make the supply side really big and then Let's figure out like how to, you know, really evolve this into a social platform because we're seeing like fans really want to connect. Like the events can be events are ephemeral, but the communities can be persistent, mm-hmm. you know. And so like let's let's crack that social uh, experience of it because there's something really interesting there. Um, and then and then let's take it from there. <laughs> totally. And I guess this is gonna be my my last question: is what is your dream for what Moment House is in ten or twenty years? I would love it for it to be like the the place where all these communities that are really global and just all over the internet could come together and belong. It, mm-hmm. I almost look at it as like the belonging platform. Like everyone is part of communities. Um, these communities are digital, global. Like this is the place where you can gather together and and uh, and just belong. That sounds amazing, and I look forward to that day. And um, I love my first experience on Moment House, and I plan to to be a part of many more. Arjun, thank you so much. And um, guys, we have to all go on Moment House, check it out and, you know, be a part of it. I'm really excited for you guys. And thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me.